Hi, I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. In this episode, I interview Glenn Reilly, successful wealth advisor with offices in Sydney and Newcastle. We hear his journey from sales and commissions to advisory and family boards. We hear the frameworks and conversations he's had to learn to build a great business in this space. He's a great advisor, he's always willing to share and contribute to the profession. Welcome to the Gap Podcast, my name's Scott Fitzpatrick. And I'm here today with Glenn Reilly. Glenn is a fantastic wealth advisor. He has offices in Sydney and Newcastle, and he deals with wealthy families and complex business owners, high net wealth. This is the guy that's got it all, and it's so good we could have him here today to talk about his journey to this wealth advisory space. Morning, Glenn. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. Right, mate, maybe we should start with, well, let's start at the start. So maybe if we just talk about your journey from, where, how did you come into the industry and what did the business look like? What were some of the trials and tribulations you went through and, and where are we today? Yeah, for sure. Well, I've got to take you back to about 1995 when I was playing professional football at the time in the UK and uh, a guy called Martin sat me down. We met at the local pub. We had a pint of Guinness and he helped me document some financial goals and milestones that I wanted to achieve. And one of those was coming out here to Australia and the other was setting up a business, doing what he was doing. I loved the, um, the socialization. I loved the, the fact that he was helping me and I'm very goal oriented. So it really appealed. So I set that up and back in the UK, I playing professional football, we had plenty of time on our hands. So before training, after training, I'd catch up with a couple of players from the team and got them to save first and spend second. And uh, then moved out here to Australia, to, to Newcastle uh, in 95. And I, um, I joined AMP in 97 uh, in a time when there was minimal regulation, uh, compliance was non-existent. And AMP was a great school to helped me learn some of the basics of, uh, of financial services and getting referrals and growing a business. And um, obviously back then the industry needed to change and it's taken 20 years to get a lot of the pro- product floggers out that were back then that were churning or that you know weren't doing things the right way. And um, so... Well, it was, it was more then, of a sales industry, I think, than an advisory industry. Yep. Yeah, it certainly was. It was more commission and product-based. And um, back then, you, you were paid a commission to consolidate some superannuation or set up some insurance. And um, AMP was a great school to learn that. But after about three or four years, I got to a point where I'd got seven or eight staff i've got about 800 clients and i was spinning lots of plates and it wasn't really working for me because i became friends with a lot of the people that i was helping and they wanted to catch up again and i didn't want to feel like i had to sell them a product to get paid a commission to 
keep working with them. So I decided to sell the bottom 80% of my client base and and um, keep the top 20%. And I started charging my fixed fee to do a set job and um, started to evolve my offering. Now, AMP didn't like this, and I quickly slipped down their ranks from qualifying for offshore conferences in Colorado and annual bonuses um, at the conference. And uh, I recognized that I didn't want to be part of the the way the industry is moving and um, wanted to expand my scope and work with small business owners and families with a bit more wealth that had a bit more complexity and learn some new skills. Um, and um, so thankfully, in about 2005, uh, Scott, you flew down along with Brian Fitz and you sat in my boardroom in a business that I'd just bought. And I remember the feeling at that stage, I was excited. I'd, um, I'd now got a couple of hundred clients and I wanted to take over the world and, and buy all these other businesses. I remember that day. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you and, and Brian Fitz took me through um, a bit of a process around working out well what was important for me in my business and for my family. And I remember it was quite an emotional catch up. And um, you, we had a very deep conversation, and I loved what you you, you were showing me. And anyway. Long story short, I joined the group after a year and three years later, um, having learned the way that I wanted to evolve. I didn't want to go and build an empire and buy lots more businesses. I wanted to do more with less. And I wanted to be that one throat to choke or that lead advisor um, that we term ourselves today and understand a bit more about the complexities of the families or the family businesses and broaden the conversations and and look at things like succession planning and what kind of a legacy that these families want to leave and help them make smart decisions around their entire balance sheet. And what has evolved is I've gone from doing a 60-hour week with 800 clients in about 2003 to nowadays uh, in the business, I've only got about six clients or families that I look after and my advisors look after 95% or all of the other families. I'm not working the 60 hours a week anymore. um, We're working four days a week, 40 weeks a year, and we've got a very specific ideal client avatar that we're looking for nowadays compared to back when you and I first met and if you had a pulse, you were a prospect. (laughs) Glenn, I've got about 100 questions in all of that, uh, which is fantastic. So just take me back to... You know, you bought a large business in Newcastle, and I think, you know, that was the way we all thought you'd grow businesses, wasn't it? You'd buy a renewal income stream, and all of a sudden you've got a couple of thousand clients. Yeah. And then just the mindset change for you, you know, after doing that to go, hold on, how did we make that next decision to scale down? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, And doing more with less was certainly the context that I really picked up from yourself and Brian and John Woodley and I uh, after molding that business that I bought it soon turned out that my top 20 clients that I'd had those conversations with we, we understood a lot more of the complexity within the family and we were sitting there as an advisory board um, and and across their global assets or all of their balance sheet those clients then were generating more revenue than all the other clients put together 
So again, the time came to exit um, that business and um, find a new advisor that was more enthused and that wanted to look after the masses. Um, and I kept 20 clients and they became the, the foundation of the business that we've got today. The old 80-20 rule kicked in again. It did, it did. And then, you know, it's, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. That transition from going from looking after a thousand clients to then having a new service offering to go out into the market with. Can you remember when, you st- when and how you started with that new service offering? Who did you go to first? Uh, yeah, you know what? It was a, a lovely guy, um, a, a, a lawyer that owns a large law firm in Tari on the mid-north coast. And he'd never had this type of personalised service. And when I bought the business, this particular gentleman was paying about $800 a year. And um, when I talked him through, and we actually set some 10-year milestones around what would make an amazing life for him and his family and what, what would need to happen financially at that stage. Um, and then we brought that back and worked out, well, what's got to happen in three years his fee turned into a $20,000 a year fee. And, um, and then he introduced a couple of other people, and that really was the turning point. It was probably about 2006, 2007, that I really under, started to understand the, the value and the power of working with um, a smaller number of, uh, of families. So it gave you some evidence to support the model, but also you saw the value from their point of view. I certainly did. It, it meant having to let go of, uh, of a lot of things. And first of all was the, the smaller clients that um, were just looking to catch up once a year and that weren't looking for that deeper relationship. So that was a, that was a real challenge uh, because, again, I became friends with um, and still am with a lot of those people um, up there on the mid-north coast. Uh, we, we still look after them, uh, quite a few of them today, but it was a challenge to let go of that. Um, and, but I knew I had to invest more time into the soft skills and the emotional intelligence that I'd never really spent much time working on before, uh, because before then it was all about the numbers and it was all, all about the performance and the return. Um, but I never really went below the line and started understanding, well, what makes them tick and why is this important to them? Um, and it was when we did that that we really developed some much stronger relationships and some of the frameworks that Brian and yourself taught me back then form the, the basis of the advice that, that we provide and, and support our families with today. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, when we look at this industry becoming a profession, there's still a large component of I need to make a sale today to feed the family so we're still very much in content mode or solution mode uh, versus spending the time to get context right understanding what makes a great life for these people and then that leads to what is the role of the advisor and that's that role of my job is to get you from point A to point B with the least amount of risk and highest degree of probability and then surround you with the right people to help you get there. Definitely agree entirely. Uh, On Thursday, I've got a family coming in and I I acquired a business in Sydney a couple of years ago and this this gentleman that's coming in um, is a successful egg farmer and um, we're 
we've gone from, we've changed the scope now from just looking after some wealth for them to understanding now, well, what, what are your hopes and dreams and aspirations? And then what are the aspirations of your children? And you've built this great business. What kind of a legacy do you want to leave? Um, you know, where are we today and what, what have we got to let go of? So we've got his, one of his children coming in um, on Thursday with him to just look at the milestones for the business. And our scope has expanded from just looking at the wealth to now looking at um, the succession plan, helping with equalizing the estate because he's got four children, a couple of different marriages, and um, we don't want there to be a bonfire when he falls off the twig, when the business goes to one of the children and the others don't get um, the business. So we, we've got to work out how do we carve up these assets in these structures, look at things like asset protection. We've brought their accountants in. So we're collaborating across all these different aspects. Now, we're not lawyers and we're not accountants, um, but we can bring in a bit like a, a conductor with an orchestra, the right people at the right time to ensure that we've got a solid advisory board to ensure that he makes smart decisions and avoids some big mistakes. Because every year there's opportunities for business owners to make a pretty big mistake and that's one of our roles is to sit there as general counsel and help them make smart decisions. Yeah, that's really good. That's raised a whole bunch of, you know, next level questions for me, which is this, you know, what is the role and where do you see value in the role now? And we're moving up that advice spectrum from, you know, to be blunt, insurance or super, or if I was a lawyer doing a lease document or if I was an accountant, a tax returner, we're trying to move up the value spectrum uh, where there's price momentum as well, upward, but we're moving up into higher value higher complex strategies now. So we're changing the role and changing the scope of the advice that we are now engaged for. Definitely, yeah, and, and that all starts for us with documenting their life aspirations. So, you know, working out, well, what would make an amazing life for you? If we're sitting here 10 years from now, what's gonna make an amazing life for you? Um, and what have we gotta do to get you on track? And in three years' time, what are the milestones that we need to tick off um, to get you on track for the 10-year vision? And then 12 months from now, what are we going to do in this next 12-month scope? And that often means collaborating with, uh, it might be about setting up a foundation for the family or bringing in a risk specialist or working with their banker. Um, and again, we're across their entire balance sheet, so we've moved away from the individual products to really understanding a bit more about, well, what are the values of the family and what do they want to pass down and what kind of a legacy do you want to leave? And, and that, again, it, it, I refer to as being that one throat to choke. So uh, we're looking after a senior exec of a global bank right now in Sydney, and he hasn't got time to work with his banker or his accountant and the property specialist to buy a commercial property. And whilst we, uh, we're not giving advice around the property, we're collaborating with everyone and getting everyone on the same page so that we know, well, what's the structure? Um, how are we going to fund this? Talking the bank and bringing the whole thing together. So, bringing it to life, yeah, as correct. the project manager. Yep, yep, definitely. And Glenn, once again, you, you, you've built two things I want you to speak about for our listeners that you've done really, really well, is that you've built 
fantastic relationships and distribution so that you're getting sent the ideal client that you want to work with. Do you want to just talk about how you've done that? And I know it's not an easy process. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, it was about building a best-of-breed team of professionals that could support our clients. So that was one of the things that, that we went out there to find the best few accountants um, in the area and then in, in Sydney and then the best lawyers that could do a great job and ensure that our clients' best interests were were at heart. And um, what I found was when, we, when I found these great um, specialists in their field and started referring my clients to them that they would reciprocate. Now, they wouldn't always reciprocate and occasionally we'd just sit down and, and, um, and explain this really, I'd like this to be a two-way street. Um, yep. But by is, giving is it, to them... Is that an issue? Is that an is issue that for some people, they're, they're, they're subject matter experts, but they really have trouble referring back? It is, yeah, it is. Particularly, I found lawyers often. Um, they they're there to do a fixed job. They get paid a fixed fee, and they're not. They don't tend to look to reciprocate. Um, so we've found a couple of lawyers, and it's taken a long time to build the relationship that we have. And I've worked with one of them for twenty years, and every year we would refer, I reckon, a dozen excellent clients that. There's no question about the pricing. It's all been positioned. Um, we've talked about uh, how it's going to work and the lawyer just takes the instructions. And over the 20 years that we've worked together, occasionally I've just sat down and had a coffee and said, hey, look, I'd really like this to be a two-way street. This is, you know, there's... Um, and and it, it worked well having had that chat. Sometimes we've had to move on from accountants that we'd referred lots of good clients to and we weren't getting much back. Um, and there are other great accountants locally, so we we just stopped referring and, and had an honest conversation with them. Um, and I think that comes down to just upfront talking about the fears and the benefits of each of the different parties and working out, well, what are the things that the accountant or the lawyer um, are fearful of, uh, whether it's around control or us doing an, an average job and um, and getting that set up from the outset. Yes, Paul Crane talks a lot of that about getting those fears and benefits out on the table when you're developing your professional relationships. That's the one that's quite often overlooked. But you, yeah. you know, you in your best of breed team now, what would you know? Would you have two or three accountants, three lawyers? Who else yeah, would be on your best of breed team? Sure, we've got a couple of coaches um, that we work with. So you know, I'm, I'm working. One of my good clients and a good friend of mine has. 25 staff and they're all masseurs and chiropractors and whilst I sit on his board and he pays me a fixed annual retainer to be across his entire affairs um, there were some specific things around his business around the functionality that he needed some support with which we could do but I'd rather bring in a specialist so in that instance uh, I, I call Greg and Joshua from Your Business Momentum, and they've been working with them now for about nine months, and Simon's loving it. He's getting lots of value, and um, again, we're collaborating. Um, so, yeah, business coaches, bankers. So um, we do a, a bit of work with some of the private bankers. Um, and then mainly there's, there's probably two or three accountants that we've got a lot of mutual clients with, 
um, and then a couple of law firms. Thanks for that. So if you were you know, looking at a young advisor coming in straight out of university maybe uh, and looking at, you know, looking at the lessons you've learnt from where you were to where you are, what would be some tips you'd want to give them? Yeah, sure. Or maybe I looking at a young Glenn, really, if you're looking back 20 years yeah. ago. What would yeah, be some... yeah. Well, thinking back then, I, I often would bite off far more than I would chew, and I wouldn't. And the business was me on day one, so I, I've had to really learn that to let go. Um, and I've got a great team in here, and I've found that initially I was concerned that only I could do this particular job. But having handed over the reins and the relationships to my advisors in here now, it's giving me more time to work on the business and not in the business. And one of the frameworks that um, that really helped me understand that was one of the old Sherlaw's frameworks, red, blue, black, where I was spending far too much time working on the administration or actually directly with the clients day to day and having employed a great team to do those things and take those things off me, it's giving me more time today to go and work with my lawyers and my bankers and my coaches and then um, bring the right new ideal clients in and marry them up with the right advisors. So I'm not really looking for uh, for new clients anymore myself. I'm, I'm more interested in building my advisor's client portfolio so that uh, so that they're full. So that's, that's one thing that I think has really helped me is to understand functionality and to let go of some of the roles because there's certain things in a business that I'm curious about and I enjoy and I'm energized and passionate about and they're the things that I'll, I'm always drawn to. But then there's things that frustrate me. There's things that uh, I'm not very good at. And that's generally just like you, Scott, the implementation. I'm big picture, um, but follow through and, and actually dotting the I's and crossing the T's isn't something that I tend to do that well. So I've got a great team around me that can follow through and make sure. Um, they can, one of the they can clean up your mess. Correct, clean up my mess, yeah. So but, what I love is I love going into a meeting and just talking and being able to give myself 100% and communicating, knowing that I've got a second chair in there with me who can make the file note, make sure the files are compliant, organise the paperwork, make sure everything's taken care of. And that would be, a, a, I think, a key lesson for anybody starting out would be to have somebody else in that room with them to do all of the other things, all the noise that needs to happen to make that client file work and do it compliantly um, so that you can just focus upon adding the value and the different frameworks you're going to deliver and, and working on the relationship. Oh, very good. Now, I know that um, this burgeoning passion for you around coaching is starting to happen, that you've got some interest now in accounting and legal firms wanting your services for to coach them on how to broaden the conversations they're having with their clients. Definitely, yeah. So what I've found is that I'm, I'm catching up with someone that was just like me that set their business up maybe five years ago and they're working till 10 o'clock most nights. They're not seeing much of their family and they are spending much too much time um, in the client relationships as opposed to empowering their accountants to step up and lead the 
relationship. So I'm talking, I'm, I'm working with a couple right now and we've been focusing upon making sure that they work to their unique ability and they do what they do best. And that then that we're working with, or that they're working with their ideal client because um, a couple of them struggle saying no and they'll take on anybody as opposed to really getting clear what their ideal client looks like and then charging them appropriately to do that job. So often I find that professional services, they, they're working with a lot of the smaller clients and they're neglecting the bigger clients so they don't have time to go out and hunt or engage the new right clients uh, for the business. So the tools that I've learned from yourself and Brian and Craney and Woody um, and the other coaches that I've worked with, they're the things that now we're sharing with these SMEs to help them build a self-operating business that's less reliant upon them so that they can have the lifestyle and, and um, not have to be in the business and not have the businesses reliant upon them. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Glenn, let, that's fantastic. So let's just make this a little bit personal now. You're how old? 47. 47. Jeez, you look a lot older than that. Thanks um, for that. See? But just really quickly for our listeners, now if we were sitting here at, and you're 57, yeah. and, and you know the four L's backwards, live, learn, love, legacy, what, what does a great life look like for you? Look, family is, um, is really important now. This next 10 years for me, and particularly in 10 years' time, I want to be spending... Um, more time with the family. I want to be doing more travel. Um, I want to have a business that's still um, empowering clients to make smart decisions and have helped them lead their ideal life. Um, I'm, I'm big on contribution too, so I'd love to get more involved. As an entrepreneur, I, I tend to find opportunities but never have the time to go and fulfill or follow through, so I'd love to help other um entrepreneurs achieve you know that the life balance um that, that i've achieved and um i'm really grateful for that so yeah there there are a few yeah. of the things that really stand out being healthy too I, I find that when i was working 60 hours a week i would often put my work before health uh, but nowadays i'm in the gym most mornings and out surfing learning to surf with the kids um so yeah, they're the key themes that, that um, are today and will continue to be, you know, the big rocks in my yeah, life. I, I see that big legacy piece for you is becoming more and more important um, in terms of contributing back to your community, the advice community and to your business. So, you know, I really do want to commend you for that. Now, I want to finish with two things, Glenn, which is... You know, you've got a successful business, and I know it's taken 20 years to build that, but what's a daily habit or a weekly habit that you think has contributed immensely to your success that you'd, you'd want to pass on to a young advisor and go, just do this? Sure, yeah. Um, I, you know what? For me, it's about setting the day up right. If I can set the day up correctly first thing on a morning, um, and I can get out and I can exercise, and then I can do a meditation, and um, really try and work out, well, what do I want to achieve in the day? They're two things that really help me set the day up. And then over and above that, I spend lots of time um, 
uh, we've got a little acreage, so I'm on a ride on mower or I'm down the beach or exercising. And I, I've always, I've got my AirPods in and I've got a book that I'm listening to. So I've got the Audible app and every month there's a new book and I've got a, a, a long list of books that I'm getting through. And every year I reckon I would get through probably 10 really good books every year. And um, different on different things, I've just finished Tools of Titans uh, by Tim Ferriss, where he interviews um, all the, the best um, people in their field and, and learns what they do. And that was a, a great book. But like, for me, that's like, you know, a university um, a, a course every year, uh, doing a couple of diplomas, learning from people that have invested their whole life into a particular niche. So that, you know, that's a great investment for me for $14 a month audible and some great books um, that certainly keeps me going and helps me learning and, uh, and evolving. Well, Langland, I'm, I'm so appreciative of your time and, and the journey and sharing the insights of the journey you've been through to get to where you are. And, you know, you really should give yourself a pat on the back. As I keep saying, it's, it's not easy, but, um, you know, you've popped out the other end. You're, you're a great advisor. I know that you are in demand. Now, if people want to find you, where do we find you, apart from sitting on your mower? You can Google me on the Fitzpatrick's website. That's probably the best. So fitz.com.au, and um, you'll find uh, – it. just put in Glenn, and you'll find there's only one Glenn in the group. So you'll find me on there, and there's an email address. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the right. best way. And just in closing, Scott, too, you know, for me, I want to acknowledge yourself, uh, John Woodley, Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, in particular, uh, who've, um, you know, Brian Fitz has sat on my left shoulder for, well, since 2005. And uh, every important decision, uh, whether it be a life decision or, you know, in business, he's been there to help me, you know, make a smart, the smart decisions. I didn't always make the, the best ones, but he's been there to help guide me all the time. Um, so, yeah, thank you to, to you guys for helping me get to where I've got to today. My pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Fitzy. Take right. care, mate. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GAF podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.